We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? How are you doing? So close, yet so far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a really good game. The Nets obviously took the L, 125-127 to the Raptors in Toronto. But there was a lot of positives to take away. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. You know, to put up 125 points against uh, a tremendously talented defensive team, if not one of the best defensive teams in the league. You know, D'Angelo Russell on fire, Joe Harris, Allen Crabb on fire, uh, Karis Levert continuing to work his way in. Um, it, it was a, a really good game, uh, especially on the offensive end. The zone worked at times. Um, it was just one of those games where it was back and forth and it was really anyone's for the taking. And uh, they just had that little bit more uh, at the right point in time. Yeah, and especially against, you mentioned, you know, just such a good team and to be able to compete with them on the road, being down eight in that fourth quarter late in the game and to make a comeback, go up three, you know, just a lot of toughness and a lot of different lineups. I thought one thing that really stuck out that I liked, and we've kind of spoke on this in the past, is having Alan Crabb and Joe Harris out there at the same time. Oh, man, 13 threes between those two. <laughs> That's a lot. It was insane. Joey Harris, seven of, seven of eight from the perimeter. Obviously, he had that absolutely insane highlight of my life quarter um, <laughs> where he hit those five threes. He was just uh, tremendous, and they were, they were clearly scouting him in, in the second half a lot differently. They were throwing, you know, OG Ananobi on him, Kyle Lowry. They were really making it hard for him. They didn't give him any easy shots, and, you know, there was a couple of times he had some drives, and that look-away pass from just like, Joey Buckets, are you d now? Yeah, um, no, he had a it, lot of good passes in that game. You're right. He really did. And um, I think that that was probably what was really positive about the first half, the way that ball was moving around. And, you know, a lot of people, I, I remember just writing like D'Angelo, they were saying, oh, he's only got like five points, one away from the field or whatever it might be. Um, I, I don't remember the exact number, but 
he he looked just composed, and and I think that it, it, it speaks volumes to him and how he can just impact the game these days. And he just knows what to do. And you know, another near triple double. Uh, I think one of his last ones was against Toronto as well. And you know, to outplay Kyle Lowry, he proved that he is the better player, more worthy player at the All Star weekend, and um, he's been awesome. Yeah, you mentioned the 14 assists. It was also the secondary assists. I thought he did a great job getting the offense going, especially like Toronto. You have to make that extra pass, and the team reacted well tonight too. D'Angelo looked like a pure all-star out there, and when he hit that icy three at the end, you know, we wish he hit the game winner, but the one before that was beautiful too. Oh, it was absolutely sensational. Um, he's just an absolute stud. He's really turning into something really special, and um, he's going to be earning himself some big money, that's for sure. But it was one of the best games we've seen from D'Angelo Russell, and, and he, we continue to say that, you know, night after night. And um, we've talked about the fact that at length, you know, he's bridging the gap between his his best and his worst, and he hasn't had many bad games of late. And if he continues to do this, then uh, boy, oh boy, he's going to be something special. But yeah, just his passing game, his composure, his ability to read the floor, yeah, even on the defensive end and some of those final possessions you could see him communicating you know when Carlos Levert would get up he's like you know you get back get back he would be directing guys out there um a, a real lead up we've said that before but you know we have to keep mentioning it if he keeps doing it for sure I think you brought up a great point the fact that he even when he has like his bad moments in the past he turned that into a bad game like he started this one slow from shooting but then he was able to bounce back in that second half that third quarter was huge I think he had 12 points alone in the quarter and he was doing this against great defenders you know he wasn't doing this against scrubs he was doing this against Kawhi Leonard OG you know Pascal Siakam Marcus Sol, like guys out there that can really defend I thought that was one thing that stuck out too about D'Angelo in the past I felt like he got flustered a little bit yeah, definitely. His composure is something really to behold of late. You know, eight free throws for those playing along at home, obviously, who aren't really big on the D'Angelo drawing fouls game. He did it tonight. You know, was it two fouls on the perimeter he drew? Yes, two. Yep. So, I mean, he's turning into James Harden a little bit. Um, he's <laughs> just, he's just, and we talked about the fact that, you know, the, the sort of left-hand herky-jerky is just a bit harder to defend. And, you know, his driving tonight was just brilliant. Um, I remember us chatting early on and then the fact that, you know, it was like, oh, well, he, he looks good. We, we like the aggression, but he just needs to have a bit more composure. And then that, that third quarter happened, Nick, and he was just driving like an absolute madman. But um, it, it was a really great game from him and he continues to, to show growth uh, that we didn't necessarily expect. Yeah, I thought some of the finishes in the third quarter were great. And it was like the ones in the first and second quarter, he missed some easy ones where I almost felt like he didn't think he'd be that open at the rim. And I think that's happened to him a little bit. It's kind of adjusting to some of the, the new defenses that he's getting because he's shooting so well from three. I think teams are starting to press him a little bit off of that you know, pick and roll and also on his mid-range shot. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that he's rounding out his game nicely on the offensive end. And if he can continue to do that, he's gonna be he's gonna have open looks wherever he, wherever he goes. And you know, despite the fact that it was only two of seven from three, when he has the ball in his hands and he's making the shots, you know, a lot of them are in and out, some of them are a little bit short, some of them might be end of the clock, but um, you're just super confident when he has the ball in his hands these days. You know, back in the past, we would talk about his turnovers. Yes, he had four turnovers, but he also had 14 bloody assists. Um, so I think it made up for it. And you know, he was just he was just a general tonight. Yeah, and you talked about being scared with the ball in his hands. Remember, you know, the first two months of the season where he had those late-game turnovers and it was like, oh, D'Angelo, you know, he's not clutch. And now all of a sudden that narrative's completely changed. You want the ball in his hand, hands, and he's taking these big shots and he's hitting big shots. So just a complete turnover and a lot of improvement throughout the season. You know, that's something that really sticks out. You don't necessarily see players do that, but where he started in October and where he is now is really a big difference. 
Yeah, incremental growth throughout the season. You see it probably more from young players, you know, yeah, a guy like Pascal Siakam on the other team. You know, he's just grown tremendously into, you know, a near all-star. You know, some were saying that, you know, he was probably more deserving than our boy Delo. Obviously, we don't nah. agree with that. We don't agree with that whatsoever. But he has been absolutely tremendous and was great again tonight. His, his speed and body control. But um, on the net side, Nick, um, Shabazz Napier, what did you think of his game? I thought he played point guard tonight. I felt like he was very under control, you know, attacked at the right moments during the game. Just a really nice game from Shabazz, obviously 4-4 four, four from the field and 10 points. But he didn't really force anything, and I thought that's what really stuck out. Zero turnovers. Yeah, and a lot of the time he was out there with Karis LeVert, and it's just like, why is it the ball in Karis LeVert's hands? But at the same time, he, he was just making the right decision time in, time out, hitting the right shots, you know, passing into the right guys, had some nice plays with Ed Davis, you know, feeding Karis LeVert every now and then. Um, he was great tonight, and if he continues to do that in 17 minutes, that's literally what we want out of him, uh, more nights than none, because I know pre-game coach Kenny was sort of saying that you know the ideal rotation is at about nine. Another 10 guys tonight, Damari Carroll to come back. Um, you'd expect him or Rodion's to probably see fewer minutes going forward, but if Shabazz keeps playing like this, then you know you can't take them away from him. Yeah, I really don't think you can until at least Spencer comes back. So it'll be something to really keep an eye on. Um, if Shabazz, it made me think about that quote from early in the year where Kenny was like, you know, Shabazz can be our X factor. And like, you could kind of feel that tonight when he was good, the Nets are at like a different level. When he's bad, it really hurts that second unit, especially with Dinwiddie out. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and Shabazz, you know, didn't really do anything outside of the box. He was just making the right place. He wasn't, you know, driving erroneously. He wasn't going out of control. He wasn't forcing any shots. He was just doing what the offense was giving him. And, you know, he was making the right plays, you know, dishing it off where needed. Um, he, he just had a really nice composed game. Uh, plenty of our guys did. There weren't many guys that had a bad game. You know, the two threes that Trevion Graham hit, I was really uh, not astounded by, but just they looked really in rhythm. And it looks like he's got some form and his legs back. You know, we sort of talked about how, you know, shooting his rhythm. Joe Harris spoke about that on the Full 48 podcast with Howard Beck. You know, shooting is just a, a rhythm thing. And the fact that Alan Crabber's got it back so quickly as well, uh, it, it poses um, some dangers from de for opposing defenses going forward. The fact that, you know, this three-point shooting is start to really hit, click into gear. Yeah, we kind of paid for it in some of those really bad games where we shot like under 25%. Now they're starting to cook, you know, a big night tonight. And you mentioned Graham. If I'm not mistaken, probably in the month of February, obviously small sample size, but his three-point shooting seems like it's closer to high 30s than low 30s. So he's really improved, and that's something he can kind of do to keep his minutes in the lineup. What do you think about Jared Allen? I thought he had some really good flashes tonight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, against the guy like Marcus Ole, it's always going to be tricky. Um, he's one of those bruisers, Serge Ibaka as well. Those guys just probably bullied him a bit down low. But also, if you get good positioning uh, against a guy like Jared Allen, it's over. Um, there were some shots that he did contest and, and, he, and he made him look good. Um, but there were some really nice pick and roll plays at the same time. You know, he ran the floor hard, you know, nailing some screens, getting some uncontested dunks. Um, he, he's continued to grow. And just the fact, you know, uh, three rebounds probably isn't enough, but uh, across the board, I think that's probably the one area where we started okay, but then we really tapered off. Uh, I think our rebounding was probably one of the, the areas which uh, where we lost the game. That and probably points in the paint.
Yeah, it's like they played the zone late in the game, and that helped them get back defensively. But there was a couple possessions where having those small lineup out there, because at one point they were playing like Jared Allen, uh, Karis LeVert, Allen Crabb, Joe Harris, and D'Lo. There just wasn't enough rebounding, or the guys weren't at boxing out enough to really put themselves in position to win. One play for Jared Allen that really stuck out for me. This is something I like to see, and we talked about it before, is his patience. He, uh, I want to say D'Lo threw him an oop, but he wasn't able to go up and finish it, so he came back down, went back up, and got the and one. Yeah, I really love that play from Jared Allen. It, you just see those moments from him where you just go, yeah, he's starting to figure this thing out. And, you know, it's going to take a few games. It's going to take a few years. But, you know, you see those moments where it all starts to, you know, the light bulb sorts to, the light bulb moments start to sort of hit. And um, he's been great. And, you know, three rebounds for me is just, it's it's not enough. But, you know, we only had, you know, a, a couple of guys with, with five or more. You know, DeAnzo Russell led the team in rebounds with seven. So um, we, we obviously talk about, you know, the fact that D'Angelo's rebounding uh, has been a sort of misgiving of, of Kenny in the past, but, you know, leading the way there. But at the same time, you've got to have you know, your big sort of contributing in, in a bit more of a way. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, if those are the little things, it was made up for and then some with, with our shooting. So you can't have the, the perfect performance uh, on all days, especially when, you know, you're, you're going up against guys like Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol. These guys are really talented. Exactly. And I think the fact it was in Toronto was Marcus Gasol's first home game. They had some extra energy. But like you said, Jared Allen, it's not something to necessarily worry about because I think with muscle, he'll get better at that. Like you said, too, is, you know, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, they're big guys. They're going to body him up down low. So uh, talking about some other guys in the team, we could talk Karis LeVert a little bit. Felt like he probably looked rustier in this game than he did in his previous performance. Rustier, but at the same time, the signs were good. You know, the the mentality was good. You know, there was just a couple of times where it's just like the shot doesn't fall. Uh, and if that goes in, it just makes things look so much better. Um, but you have to be encouraged by the signs. And, you know, his aggression, his, his quick first step ain't gone at all. Um, the shot looks okay. The three ball is one thing I'm going to be watching um, against Cleveland. Obviously, it's not going to be, you know, if he doesn't shoot one, then it's 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 lights out. But um, it's one thing. I want him to hit that one just to give him the confidence going forward because we know he is a, a good enough three-point shooter that, to make him a threat. Um, but obviously, you know, when you've got D'Angelo Russell, who's shooting more threes than nearly anyone in the league, it, it sort of hurts a little bit. But um, I'm I'm excited to sort of see his progress going forward. And against Cleveland, you know, I think he had one of his best games of the season uh, against Cleveland before that injury as well. So uh, I'm hoping for a big performance for him uh, heading into the break because he ain't he doesn't have to perform at the weekend, so we're gonna have a few days off. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. You know, going to Cleveland, he can definitely get some burn. And obviously, I thought it was a little surprising that he closed out the game tonight. I wasn't expecting that. I thought when we saw him pulled in the fourth quarter, that was it for the night. But you also brought up the great point. You know, it sucks. He missed the layups. He was in position. There's shots that he usually makes. You know, most scenarios, he's going to knock them down. The Nets might end up winning the game. But the fact he was able to get there with such ease and so many different possessions, that that first move, the first step, whatever he has, you know, his ability to get there was just really Really nice to see. And then you said the three-point shot. Hopefully that starts to fall down. If it does, now the Nets are just at another level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, five turnovers in 23 minutes isn't ideal. But um, I, I know you probably had different thoughts to me, but I thought OG Ananobi just defended him tremendously. Really got up in his grill, made it uncomfortable for him, had a couple of steals on him. You know, Karras had some bad passes here and there as well. But um, OG Ananobi is, is a great defender on his day, one of the best in the league. Uh, I, I really highly rate him. Um, would love him on the Nets sneakily. Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, I think that's one thing for Karis that he can learn. You know, you, you're not going to have it's not going to be all smooth sailing in, in that sort of return. And to come up against Toronto, I'm glad he sort of had this. It's a learning thing. You know, go on to the next one against 
against Cleveland. You know, I don't think Cleveland has a guy even remotely close to the defensive acumen of a guy like OG Ananobi. So um, hopefully you can get some confidence in that one. Yeah, and talking defense, I think Karras' defense is something he instantly brings to the team. We talked about that the last show. We talked about it when he was injured in the first place. Having that presence back defensively is definitely a boost, and I think it'll improve the Nets' overall defense moving forward when he gets 100%. Oh, yeah. And I think we talked about in the earlier pods the fact that, you know, the the zone does benefit him as well. There was a couple of gambles tonight that probably paid off in the first game. It didn't tonight, uh, pardon me, against Toronto. Uh, but he is... Uh, a really great defender and someone that can turn into to really someone really special on that end of the floor. And, you know, just adding that defensive talent, having him, Trevion, Graham, Rodion, uh, maybe even in Ronde on his day as well, it just makes the team so much more dangerous on that end of the floor. And, you know, defense is so important to, to what the Nets are doing and, you know, the different looks that we're throwing, whether it's one-on-one or zone. Um, Karasov is going to be a big part of that for the rest of the season as we look to solidify our spot in the playoffs. Jack, anybody else you want to talk about in terms of player-wise? Uh, Alan Crabb, for me, Nick, was really, really, really good. Like, I think that this was one of Alan Crabb's, obviously, his best game for the season. But, you know, I can't remember a game where it, it just looked like he was just confident. And, you know, he was hitting not only, like, threes, but, like, clutch threes, like, back-to-back threes, threes to get us into the lead and to tie the game. Um, I think that this is a, a tremendously good sign uh, going forward, like we sort of mentioned, with him and Joe Harris both heating up, um, to have two really absolute lethal perimeter threats, you know, you can change the looks out there. You can have Harris and Crab, you know, both playing small, small forward or whatever it might be, even a power forward. Um, they've just got some versatility there. If you have a Jared Allen at the five, whatever it might be, uh, it just really bodes well. And despite the fact that he, uh, those continued rumored uh, trade proposals come up, now, Alan Crabb is making it anything but, and I think Coach Kenny said before the game as well that he was just hungry to get back out there, and we can certainly see that hunger in the way that he's playing these days. Yeah, you talked about the confidence. That instantly stuck out. I believe there was one play where he ended up getting a steal on Toronto's end on like an inbound or a rebound, and instead of just like waiting for his team, he just took one step back, knocked down the three. And there's just like certain times with his release and just the way he kind of lands, you almost know it's going in because he looks so confident shooting it. Yeah, him and Joe, it's just like the the form just looks tremendous. And um, uh, the Alan Crabb, they're just super pretty and they get everyone going. Um, it's going to be, it's going to bode well for him going forward. You know, another 20 point plus performance. And Joe Harris as well was just absolutely insane because I, I think we sort of talked about, you know, when's the day going to come when both of them are firing? It did happen today. Unfortunately, it was a loss, but it just shows you when you have those two guys heating up. You're going to shoot, you know, 43s and make 20 of them, you know, 13 coming from two of the best three-point shooters in the game when they're on their game. Yeah, exactly. It just gives a whole nother element to the team. And this is what you'd probably classify as a good loss. You know, you don't, we're not in last year where, you know, we're, we're happy about losses, but this is a really tough team to beat in Toronto. So like you, we talked about, there's a lot of good things to take away from this one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to, it's a hard pill to swallow to find uh, positives in a loss. And, you know, that was probably what we would sort of talk about more uh, last season, the season before, just finding little minor uh, victories. But uh, I'm, I'm still a little bit frustrated because I thought we could have had it there. Uh, but at the same time, there were plenty of positives to come from it. You know, Toronto at home, you know, all the, the wave of, uh, of general positivity was heading their way and you'd expect them to get the win. But 
Um, we're a very good team and we continue to prove that. Um, hopefully, we just continue to maintain and hopefully this gives us a little bit of momentum because despite the fact that we had the loss, like you said, Nick, so many great signs from so many great players and, and different parts of the floor. You know, as long as we can fine-tune some things, you know, rebounding points in the paint, a little bit of defensive issues here and there, um, then we should be uh, going really well heading into the All-Star break. Hopefully, just a, a really solid showing against Cleveland just to give us some momentum. Yeah, and I even think just making some of the missed layups they had in this game, obviously some of that was D'Lo missing early on, Karis LeVert having the rust, but just knocking down some of those extra shots that you missed, obviously shooting 50% from three, I really can't complain. But Jack, talking about that Cleveland game, what do you want to see? Do you want to see just a game where the Nets kind of dominate them from quarter one to four? Yeah, I just want to uh, I just want to see positive signs all around, Nick. If we win by double digits, awesome. If we happen to win by, you know, eight or whatever, as long as we get the win and as long as we play good basketball, you know, as long as we're rebounding the ball, we're attacking, forcing the issue, you know, drawing some turnovers here and there. And and I think the number one player we want to see, you know, some really good form was, it, it's obvious, it's your boy, Karis LeVert, because a lot of our other guys we, we sort of talked about are rounding into some really good form. We had that little bit of a lull with that sort of losing streak, of, you know, losing to Chicago, we probably shouldn't have, but again, that win against Denver probably makes up for it. So there's been ups and downs heading into this all-star break. So you want to finish on a good note and uh, hopefully Karis LeVert can have a good game. And uh, if Damari Carroll's back, I'm going to be really intrigued to see the rotation as well. Yeah, that's a great point. Not even having Damari turn it against Toronto, who's been a big piece, especially over the last two months and all the winning, and obviously that being his former team. So good to probably get Damari some extra rest before the All-Star break too. Jack, Markeith Morris, I think, was clear to play basketball today. Do you think you will expect the Nets to be mentioned in some of the rumors? Funnily enough, our boy Blue Skies asked, and he said he's definitely open to embrace the Markeith Morris idea. I am to an extent, Nick. But I'm almost just as open to the fact that, you know, we just keep what we've got going. I don't think – and I know everyone's just open to the fact that – but if he comes in and he takes, say, Rondé's minutes, which is probably the most logical guy in, in all of our eyes, does that change the team chemistry for the worse? And does that make things go backwards in that sort of sense? Because that's where we have a leg up on so many other teams. You know, his brother, Marcus, was sort of talking about the fact that, you know, there's teams celebrating on the bench and there's teams just loving everything. That's where we want to be. Um, I'm pretty sure he's talking about the Brooklyn Nets. You know, our, our bench celebrations have gotten thousands of retweets on Bloody Bleacher Report and the stuff. So um, I, I think that if it's worth a gamble, if he's on board, um, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% in. Um, I'm more with, you know, ride with what you got and see how it goes because I, I think I'd rather wait for the offseason. Um, you know, it could change by day. We could have an injury here and there. Um, but with the depth and the rotation that we have right now, it's hard to see feeding in a guy like Mark Keefe. And, and I'm sort of repeating myself. I know you've probably thought the same as well, Nick, but um, we'll keep saying it until Mark Keefe gets picked up, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's pretty – I kind of agree with you, Jack. I don't think there's like a ton of interest in there and there's a chance of messing up the chemistry. And it's not like Markeith was the most liked guy in Washington. So I think that's always something to consider too. And is he going to get a ton of minutes? And like we've kind of talked about before, a lot of these buyout guys are going to the biggest opportunity for themselves. Another guy that's been rumored to possibly be on the buyout market, Anthony Tolliver. It hasn't happened yet, but there was some rumblings about that. Yeah, he'd be great. Uh, I think Anthony Tolliver is a guy that, you know, could see, you know, I think play a slightly upgraded version of what Dante Cunningham was last season. Um, you know, and I think his three ball is good. I think it provides some good defense. I would much rather have a guy like him on the roster. And he just seems to be that sort of vet that would just buy in and just fit in along guys like Damari Carroll, Jared Dudley, those sort of guys. Um, if that does end up happening, um, I'm definitely in on the Anthony Tolliver experience. Yeah, and he's been known as one of the best locker room guys in the NBA. I know uh, 
teams like flew out to him on the first night of free agency just because he's such a big locker room presence and the fit he has in the NBA. And obviously we just have to bring up, you know, Jeremy Lin was bought out. So I would think there's a possibility of Dwayne Dedman getting bought out, right? Yeah, I mean, it was strange. You'd, why wouldn't you do, if you're Atlanta and Travis Schlenk, why wouldn't you just make the move in the first place? You know, Toronto would probably throw in a second rounder of some sort. Maybe they don't want to give up any assets and they're, they're too busy giving their second rounders to us. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, if there's a team offering anything for Dwayne Dedman, sure, you just do it. But, you know, um, I'm not necessarily Travis Link. I'm not in the inner workings of the Atlanta front office. But if Dwayne Dedman's there as well, I think if we're ranking those three, I'm going Tolliver, Dedman, uh, and Morris in terms of fit. The reason Tolliver, because I think Tolliver would willingly take a backseat role and would happily just fit into this system and would enjoy it even if he's not playing, you know, elevated minutes. Whereas I think a guy like Deadman and especially a guy like Morris uh, are going to want those minutes because whether they're wanting a new contract or, or whatever it might be, they just seem like to be those sort of guys uh, that are just going to need to get their, their reps on the court. Yeah, no, that's a great point, especially guys playing for the next contract. You know, Tolliver's such a vet. He's not really worrying about that quite as much where he knows his impacts felt in other ways. The only thing I can think of from Atlanta's perspective is they couldn't find anybody that would give them an expiring contract and they wanted to go into the offseason with cap space. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it, it's about our nets and how these guys can help <laughs> us if we, if we make those moves. Um, but I'm very happy with what we've got right now, Nick. Again, you know, in terms of the four position, you know, Jared Dudley will be back uh, sooner rather than later. I, I think he's doing some semblance of basketball activities. Um, I'm not necessarily sure how active he has been. Uh, but when he comes back as well, he'll add something. So, you know, we talk about our death. We're getting guys back right at the right time. If we're healthy, um, and especially with the fact that this last stretch of the season, these last 20, 30 games is going to be tougher than any other. I think we're a top five, if not uh, higher than that, in terms of strength of a remaining schedule. So it's going to be a tough stretch, and we're going to need those healthy bodies. 100%. And I think just the one positive thing to think about depth-wise, if they do get healthy, and I was thinking about this during the game, you know, no matter who they start or whoever's, you know, playing, it's probably going to be D'Lo and Dinwiddie. I mean, D'Lo and uh, LaVert at the end of the year, you're going to bring Dinwiddie off the bench. Like, you're bringing off a fringe all-star off the bench. Like, that's a really good thing to have, and that could really change the game for the team when sometimes things don't go great with the first unit. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about, you compare that maybe to, to a team like the Los Angeles Clippers, who have a guy like Lou Williams in reserve, who is, you know, all-star worthy, uh, probably should have been there last season. And Spencer Dimity had plenty of talk uh, there as well. Charles Barkley's biggest fan. Um, so, <laughs> so I it's think so it, random. <laughs> it is weird, but it, I'll take it. He doesn't know how to say his name, but he likes him. Cool. Um, I'm just all about the, the Nets getting credit where, they, where credit is deserved. But speaking of that, Nick, you know, Spencer Dimity's comments are pretty cool. The fact that, He's like, I'm going to be the best left-handed shooter, you know, in the league behind D'Angelo Russell. We talked about this. I said he'd do it. And um, he was also saying that the athletic staff and the training staff are getting him running a lot. And we said that as well. The fact that he's going to stay fit. He could come back better. He could come back. He's going to be super-duper hungry. We talked about Alan Crabb and his hunger. But Spencer Dibbley, I'm just so excited for him to come back because um, he's got a good swagger to him. He's a great teammate. Spencer um, Spencer Allen. Uh, combine their two names like a bromance that'd be a Start. really good player <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be an amazing player but yeah uh, jared allen's gonna love him it, it's gonna give us a completely new dimension and uh, something we're gonna need like i said because this end to the season is gonna be uh, very tricky yeah 100 the schedule's tough they got that long uh, west coast trip uh, in march so it's gonna be important to take care of business when you can and kind of steal games you know tonight would have been a nice one to steal hopefully they can steal some moving forward jack you want to touch anything anything else before we get out of here 
Nah, nothing off the top of my head, Nick. Obviously, you know, positive things heading into the Cleveland game. Um, we've talked about plenty of it, but uh, to all you guys watching now on, on, on YouTube and, and, and asking us in the comments and stuff, you know, we appreciate all that as always and we'll continue to do this whenever your boy isn't employed and at work. <laughs> yeah, whenever Jack gets a day off, we'll be good to go. But like Jack said, big thanks to everybody checking us out. YouTube, uh, iTunes, whatever it is, you know, blog talk radio, ogbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, you know, wherever you follow or listen, we really appreciate it. And go Nets. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.